0: the implications of Jesus saying, Our Father. Let's get started. Welcome, Abbaology insiders. I'm Jake Stringer, your host and founder of the Abbaology movement. The purpose of Abbaology is to transition people from judicial, legal, fear-based, and courtroom concepts of God into a loving, familial experience of Him. This is your home for free Abbaology content, check out ABOLogy.net for more, including an eight minute long detailed month by month breakdown of our insider intensive, which is a six month, one subject per month Bible school taking place inside of a closed Facebook group that begins August 10th. I'm going to assume that you're hungry, that you're ready, and you don't want me to hold back. So let's journey from theology to Abaology together. I want us to talk about today the real implications of Jesus beginning the Lord's prayer with the phrase our father. You know, just a few verses above, I believe in verse 5, Jesus starts talking about how not to pray and he says when you pray don't be like the hypocrites. And that that word in the original language means actors on a stage. Don't pray like actors on a stage where you're only praying out in the open, you're praying really loud, you want everybody to hear you, to see you, to look spiritual. To me, this is communicating ego. You know, a friend of mine, Pastor Andy Barancic, up in Fenton, Michigan, gave a message from the verse, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, it's no longer I who live. And he broke down that word for I, and it is the Greek word ego, So, Paul is saying, it's no longer my ego that lives. Nevertheless, I still live. And then the word changes to zeo. So, our ego dies. So, in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, it's a very egotistical prayer to feed a need for validation, to feed the ego. When Jesus gets down to verse 9, when he begins the Lord's Prayer, he begins by saying, an important phrase that I believe we pass over, our Father. Now remember, we're transitioning from theology to Abbaology. Our lens is so powerful in determining what we see, don't see, what we pass over. Powerful revelations we pass over sometimes as we're reading the scripture. And as we are taking off our judicial lenses and putting on our familial lens these phrases like our father begin to pop out and i think this revelation of family of abba ness of our wantedness and original belonging has been kind of hiding in plain sight right under our nose Because primarily our teaching and understanding of God has been judicial, legal, in a courtroom type context, for instance. So, Jesus says, our Father. Now, a lot of times in evangelical Christianity, especially here in the West, you become a child of God. After you meet some sort of criteria, you know, often that is raising your hand to, quote, receive Jesus in your heart or to recite a sinner's prayer. I am all for a moment of acknowledging what Jesus has done. Absolutely. But I would I would take a moment back and I would I would actually contend that this is not a criteria you're meeting to make something true. Then the gospel would be transactional, but I believe it's invitational. It's inviting us into an already existing truth. So Jesus came to reveal not the possibility of something becoming true for us if we meet a certain set of criteria. He came to reveal what is already true and has been since before the foundation of the world. And the reason I bring that up is Jesus is speaking here to people before the cross who are under the old Mosaic covenant, the covenant of sacrifice, the blood of bulls and goats, And there's no cross that's happened. There's no resurrection that's happened. This whole event that is the basis for us who live after the cross, being able to raise our hand in a service and receive Jesus into our heart to make Him our Father and become part of the family, um, that's not even possible. And He says to these Jewish people under the Old Covenant, before the cross, when you pray, begin with, our Father. Now that, if we think about it, I want you to realize what an ego-crushing phrase that is to begin our prayer, to begin their prayer, to posture our hearts to speak to Abba. The first thing we acknowledge is that you're the Father of all. Now, remember, this is before the cross. Nobody's raised their hand to receive Jesus. Nobody's been to revival and been up to the altar every night for five nights straight. None of that is even possible. So, we have to consider historical context. So, us and them thinking, in and out, is egotistical thinking. So, the more we concentrate on reasons to believe we're the in and other people are the out, or we're the us and other people are the them, we're the good, and other people are the evil, that's going to feed our ego. So Jesus comes, and he says, begin your prayer with our Father. So what are some implications of that? There is no us and them. Jesus is declaring, as you begin your prayer, realize there is only us. We're all family. You know, imagine that you don't know your siblings that you know exist. You know, imagine you find out on Ancestry.com or from some distant family member that you actually have some lost brothers and sisters. So you know they exist, but you don't know them. That would actually probably animate your actions that that would cause you to seek them out to find them to want to have a conversation with them to want to get to know them you know this phrase our father it destroys in and out us and them good and bad saved unsaved remember this is even before the cross and jesus is saying our pater or our origin source progenitor, our seed from which we come. (laughs) So, he crushes that, and I want to share with you, just like that illustration, that is our reality. When we step into Abbaology, we realize we're all us, and we're all brothers and sisters. And so, that revelation directly confronts dualism, in, out, us, them, saved, unsaved, brother, not brother, sister, not sister, it confronts that and it checks our heart. Is it aligned with Jesus' example of speaking to Abba or not? Now, in my case, it absolutely wasn't. You know, I totally thought in, out, saved, unsaved, sinner, saint, brother not brother sister not brother that's the natural fruit of that evangelical message remember it's not it's nothing against the people but that's what the message which is not has not always been the gospel this is a newer way to present the gospel where it's a transaction a lot of times it's a coerced transaction where you meet a criteria to become something you're not already But the gospel, again, is the revelation of what's already true, the announcement of it to you, and an invitation for you to enjoy that reality now, not just after you die. So, there is only us. You know, this is what happened in my life. I wanted to get to know people that I just realized are my family. You know, uh, the, the kingdom of God... I believe, is a three-strand cord, minimum. But those three strands right now, I believe, to be theological, absolutely. you got to go through the theology. That's what this podcast is all about. That's what the Bible School is all about. Those of us that have been taught with the Bible, we have to be retaught with the Bible. We have to unlearn and relearn. So there is a theological aspect. It's practical. You know, the gospel is not just... Uh, Orthodoxy or teachings, uh, beliefs about what the gospel is. It's orthopraxy. You know, they'll know us by our love, by our actions. So you don't act like you're a Christ follower to then earn right standing with God. That's legalism, okay? That's bondage. But as we learn who we are, we then do Christ like acts in the earth. We're saved. Or made whole unto good works. Wholeness is believing the same things about ourselves that Jesus believes about himself. That's our reality. Okay? So as we step into that, then we begin walking not just in a more fruitful, healthier orthodoxy or beliefs about God the receiving of teachings about God, we then start walking in healthier, more Christ-like orthopraxy. So the kingdom is theological, practical, and the big one is relational. This phrase, our Father, is a relational family, there is only us phrase. So get relational with those that before now you didn't know were your brothers and sisters. Ask them to coffee. Pay for it. As soon as you sit down, just say, please tell me your story. Tell me about your family. I want to know you. When you look in their eyes, see the beautiful humanity behind their eyes. People are more than their beliefs. They're more than their lifestyles. This is part, man, I feel the Holy Spirit so strong, Part of heaven coming to earth is us realizing our cities can't stay the same because we live there. Our communities can't stay the same because we live there. We, us, with this revelation that there is only us, there is no us and them, when we then get practical and relational and we sit down with people and we begin closing these perceived gaps that are really just differences in ideologies, That begin warring with each other when we when we begin closing these gaps it doesn't mean we're always going to agree with everybody or that others are going to agree with us when we begin closing those gaps we are bringing heaven to earth it doesn't just mean massive conferences and worship concerts. I love those. Don't get me wrong. I would love to speak at conferences with 20,000 people there. And, And I love to go. I've been to see Bethel worship, for instance, three different times. I've seen Jesus culture. It was amazing to worship together with all those people. But if then we go back to our lives and remain separatists, that's what Pharisee means in the original language, is separatist. So the, the kingdom is theological, practical, and relational. Now, Jesus calls us into all three of those just by one phrase, our Father. The first time that phrase jumps out at you and you realize, hold on, he's talking to Jewish people under the Mosaic covenant before the cross and telling them that God is their Father. Now, that challenges my theology. That opens up a can. It opens up the top to a rabbit hole that you are then invited to go in with Holy Spirit. He doesn't make you. He's always invitational, not confrontational or transactional. Right now, uh, a friend of mine who's becoming a better friend, a man named Bill Vanderbush, is the one who told me a few weeks ago on a Zoom call that the gospel has to go from being transactional to invitational, and I couldn't agree more. I love it when someone else puts language to something I already feel in my heart. Then it gets practical. We begin to look like Christ followers by our actions just because we know who we are. We're not trying to earn right standing. And then it becomes relational as the Holy Spirit is moving on our heart And urging us and giving us the unction to get relational with the people we now realize are not the them, are not the unsaved, are not the out of the family, are not the out or the evil. We realize they're not. They're people with a story, a story that's probably resulted in where they are now. If they're standoffish, that doesn't happen magically. Why don't you ask them their story? You you can begin to understand. You know, as this revelation of our Father hits you, this is something that happened to me, I began thinking of how I've mistreated people. That at that time, first of all, don't beat yourself up. You operate from your truth at the time. But as I thought back on how I treated people, that at that time, my truth was they are the them. They're the out. They're the not in the family. It began to haunt me, And motivate me to apologize and reconcile. And to just be better from that point forward. You'll begin to see the world from this new perspective. And you'll begin to see that so much of the world right now sees the world. And this way, they're locked into us, them, an enemy-based thinking. And that will begin to grieve you. Now, don't just stay in your grief you know, grief manifests in the lungs. People that hold on to grief, often you'll hear they they have lung issues, they have breathing issues, they'll end up even with lung cancer, and and so often they've had a horrendous death of someone close to them. I'm not saying this is every case, but this is scientifically proven. Grief is held in the lungs, so if we stay in our grief, we have trouble breathing so to speak but the way to come out of that grief as if you're being grieved by people you've mistreated is to get relational with them if you feel the need to just say you know what i operated from this truth in the past and it caused me to hate you it caused me to think that you were the out and i was the m in and you were the them and i was the us and you were the not family and i am the I am family, but I know now that we're all one family. There is no us, and I wanted to say I'm sorry. If I want you to forgive me if you feel like you need forgiveness, and I want to hear your story. I want to get to know your humanity and who you are, and I want you to be empowered and encouraged You are bringing heaven to earth when you do that. You don't have to be overwhelmed by the grand scale of the phrase bringing heaven to earth. It's going to start as we shift theologically from a lot of the wrong things we've been taught, and then we get relational and practical. We're going to begin manifesting the kingdom of heaven on the earth. If you haven't, please subscribe to the podcast, like it, leave a review. That really helps this podcast get to the people who are ready for this message. I would really appreciate that. And again, just a reminder, now that the website is live, go check it out when you get time. www.abbaology.net God bless you all.